Borak Dong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 161st episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for February and March 1987, progs 511 to 514, 511. This time, Johnny and Red hit the rapids. Flood learns to fight. Bad Company gets drunk, and Edgar Allan Poebuddy's nerfed in Judge Dredd. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Oh, the joke's for me. And if you want to re- read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 10, Strontium Dog SD Agency Files 4, The Complete Bad Company, and 2080 Extreme Edition 21. How you doing this time, Fox? Oh, my God. This was... Uh... This was a weird month for me, man. <laughs> it was a, it was an intensity sandwich. It's like they they got the sourest of dough bread on the outside, and like mm-hmm. just on the inside, it's like a fun slide. You're like, we so many nice adventures in Judge Dread comparatively. Yeah, no, there's definitely like there's some real like like downers and grossness going on in this period of the comic for sure. I am like, so into it. I, I love it, but it's just, uh, yeah, parts of it were hard this month, man. I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about it for sure. And maybe we can start a little bit of a discussion with it as uh, we get started with Through One Bad Company. Oh, my God. Uh, script robot for Bad Company, P- Peter Milligan. Art robot, Brett Ewens and Jim McCarthy. Letting robot, Tom Frank. Let's quickly humanize and then bastardize our our main hero. <laughs> yeah, it's some funny stuff here. We start with a big portrait of Marshall Bonehead as we go in, and we sort of yeah we we get some bat some backstory about ba- Bad Company main character Danny Franks. Just sort of has he ba- he barely remembers his time before coming to Ararat. We see his fiance, who's this lady he doesn't even re- remember the name of oh anymore, God. like begging him not to join the first company. Or first infantry, and we learned that Danny uh, also went to some kind of like special center or something because he was like smart, and his brothers hated him because of it. And now he's joining the first to honor their memories, and, and we remember that they both died in like a shuttle crash before they even Jesus. stepped stepped foot on Ararat before the story started. <laughs> you know, oh. so whatever. And, um, and then let's just watch these skull people just get massacred for a little yeah, while. <laughs> Right, because you remember last time, um, you know, we we met the or we learned that the cruel were able to make these war zombies just by playing a certain tone. Mm. It would animate the corpses of dead humans and make them rise and fight for the cruel. The zombie um, beat. The zombie beat, and so to counteract it, our guys in Bad Company have come to like a big the linchpin of Earth defenses, uh, Sector Eight. And are use and are like building a defense to the beat there, but they've been followed by the evil. Uh, I don't know what they are. They're like mercenaries. Yeah, or... they just. I mean, you know what? I don't even know what you'd call them. Barbarians, yeah. starbarians. Yeah, like mar- I guess marauders. Yeah, just yeah. sort of operating on neither side of the of the, uh, of the conflict. <laughs> uh, the skull mercenaries. Yeah, they're just Led an by additional set of experience points to collect. So don't worry. Yeah, about yeah. That. They're a third faction, mostly for farming XP. It's good times, you know? <laughs> it's fodder for the, for the way there, for the zombie fight. Yeah, like, uh, like when the goblins show up in World of Warcraft or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But, um, anyway, <laughs> um, 
So we've got the so the base, but basically the skull posse hate bad company, and now they're attacking bad company in sector in sector eight. But the cruel have also awakened a bunch of awoken a bunch of war zombies there. So now the skull company, <laughs> instead of attacking the humans, are just running right into this would be attacking horde of uh, war zombies and just getting their ass kicked. My favorite part is when he uses his stupid head fucking forehead crossbow. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> to like Cyber blow out the crossbow. mouth of a zombie. It was awesome. Damn your necrotic hide. Yeah, Major Bonehead's got some good terminology here. Uh, oh, it was wonderful. And then they just get eaten while everyone's just like, hey, that's cool. Yeah, excellent art here by 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 Ewan's and McCarthy, just of these of the uh of the skull posse and they're like armored riding bird lizards and stuff like that, and these gross ass <laughs> zombie hordes eating them, you know? But it's like a roasted chocobo kind of yeah. just turning around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, de- de- feathered and stuff for sure. Um observing this just carnage uh insane guy mad tommy seems way more sane although he does rhyme when he says like oh the horror you know yeah but people notice him and he's like oh he just like switches back to world war ii stuff <laughs> like oh uh pip pip like uh dunkirk spirit and whatnot jesus so the skulls retreat fox but they retreat right <laughs> into the attacking cruels they're like you know like like the cruel had assumed that the zombies would sort of decimate the forces in Sector 8 and that they'd come in to mop up. Instead, Sector 8's largely untouched, and instead they got the Skull Posse charging right into them as well. <laughs> it's bad times. It's <laughs> just one of those days, man. Seriously. Yeah, so the Posse seems doomed, and company, and the company might just be saved, actually. And Danny's pretty bummed because his buddy Malcolm isn't there to see it. And then it turns out that he doesn't need to worry because he's just been attacked by zombie Malcolm. No! Oh, my God. The, the, what a twist of fate. Seriously. We open with a repeat of the uh, sweet zombie Malcolm cover on this oh, Prague. gorgeous. 512. Excellent. Good zombie. Zombie stuff. Crazy looking teeth. Um, and there's zombies in the camp. Oh, my God. We got to fight these zombies. Yeah. Zombie Malcolm attacks Danny, cutting him above the eye and stuff. And Danny does that sort of standard zombie, like, oh, it's me. Don't you know your buddy? I know you're still in there type stuff. And it and maybe it works, but maybe that's maybe just the signal works. turning on and its eyes dilating. So who yeah. knows? It's hard to tell because Wallbanger has found the signal to block the zombie beat. And so the war zombies are down, and Kano prepares the company to move out because it's time to finish off those cruel. Oh, God. And I don't know. It's just the whole time Kano's just being a huge dick. Yeah, Kano's a huge dick, and we see the, the, the cruel are also dicks because they can't, like, stop themselves from pausing to, like, torture the dying skull posse after oh, they've beaten them. <laughs> it's real fucked up. I like just the, you know, they do take pain to show you how how evil these cruel are. You know, you can't get mm. it wrong, you know? Um, so on the battlefield, we catch up with Marshall Bonehead, who's been tortured to the point of wishing for death. And that's granted as well, because that's what you do. Um, and Danny has put on this eye patch thing. I think it's a bandage or something but for yeah. the cut that Malcolm did over his eye. Um, it's not, which I always thought it was until I was rereading it here. I thought that he took... The, uh, the ideal that Malcolm was wearing and oh, put yeah. that on. Yeah, that's what but, I thought also until yeah, I got but, the close-up. 
Yeah, and, and at the end, we do see him reburying Malcolm, and you can see the ideally on Malcolm's head mm. as he reburies them. So it's just a it's just a similar look, but not the exact same piece of equipment. It's also just kind of a foreshadowing of how he's becoming Kano slowly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also it, it is also an ideal that is similar to Kano's as well, or, or it gives him a similar kind of look to it. Um, so. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, so so they've killed. So uh, they've beaten all this attacks, and they're ready to go. Um, Wallbangers also found a way to use a similar signal to the zombie beat to disorient the cruel, which lets the company kill them easily. So time to go because, especially because one of the elites, Lord Ireland, is coming towards the sector as well. And uh, also Dan- for for a strange like tinfoil hat reason, it's like oh we can't tell the other guys also because they have to keep fighting the cruel. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, well- Danny Danny wants Kano to explain the situation about how Earth is dying and they'll probably probably be all destroyed in like you know a couple years. And Kano's like, no, they have to keep fighting and that would demoralize the troops. And it's like what like I Kano is a crazy person. But I mean, I, you know, Danny, who is now, of course, wearing talismans from two of his dead friends, <laughs> and slowly morphing into Kano, seems to buy this explanation. You know, it's it's really true. He is primo indoctrinated. Yeah, he cuts off Malcolm's head and reburies him, and he and Mac Ugh. both kind of feel empty. They've lost something in their time at war. I want to say one thing, Fox, that I kind of noticed mm. is that this thing's called Sector Eight. And that's pretty similar to like Section 8 here in the States, which is like low-cost housing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Milligan's referring to that, but it is just kind of a funny, like, I don't know, thing. Yeah. That, like, you know, it says something to me that might not be intended. I don't know. Interesting to hear if other yeah. people make that connection. Interested. No, I, I mean, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't think of it immediately, certainly. But, like, I think that there's something there. Yeah, who knows? I guess we we, we had a close up on a new morphed out battle damaged Danny Franks as he reflects that he's tired of the war and having to travel around everywhere. And Wallbanger says like, "Oh, I can't help you there, but I do got some processed mud for you to eat," Ugh, which just sounds so great. And then where this goes is just so fucking bizarre. Yeah. After everyone's had their fill, it's clear that this mud was made from a nearby alcohol swamp, and now everybody's drunk. Which, oh my god. (laughs) Is drunk from eating booze mud, I guess. Uh (laughs) Uh, You know, the company gets a little maudlin here, as you do when you're just sort of in a large, drunken group. Uh, Danny says that his father was a historian. He studied words and says that the history of consciousness is a history of words. Which is an interesting thing to say for a very wordy comic strip like Bad Company. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, we're justified. Yeah. Yeah. Shrike starts getting mouthy in his drunkenness and almost gets in a fight with Thrax, but things, uh, but 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 gives up pretty quickly. And then, yeah, in, in like, like a weird love sequence, kind of. Yeah, it's like a, no, it's true. Like the relationship between Shrike and Thrax is like complicated. It's very fraught, I guess. Yeah, like there could be a lot more of this. I think in like this, like in a mo- you know, in modern Bad Company. I forget if it actually is because I know because they're they're making new Bad Company even today. I think um, that this is fucking fantastic. It would yeah. like once again this this whole group is just fucked. <laughs> yeah. Like we, difficult uh, complex relationships. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, like the relationship between Flytrap, um the plant uh bad company member and his giant part carnivorous plant arm which apparently oh. can talk and they don't like each other. <laughs> Um, also, everybody's mean to Mad Tommy, who doesn't seem to be in a mood for the madness. Oh, 
Yeah, and, and like, he is just unhappy. Yeah, and eventually uh, Kano kicks everybody's apart. It's time to get moving. And, like, Danny gets mad at Mac when he says that Danny's getting pretty similar to Kano. You know, because that's, like, a pretty insulting thing to say to somebody, honestly. Um, it is, but also, I mean. <laughs> also true. That's Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, and, and, and things are, are getting tense between those two guys when Flytrap cries out because Arm is having problems and the, comp- and the uh, company then moves. And Danny apologizes to Mac for their for their almost fight, and things seem to be smoothed over. But they're smoothed over in that way that means that there's actually a much more complicated <laughs> thing going on underneath the surface. You know, it's that ellipses, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, fine with ellipses on either side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just like, okay, that's yeah. that's some unresolved tension right there that I can't wait to see manifest in later episodes. I mean, I'll tell you that, like, just not to bring things back to pro wrestling as always, but oh uh, my God. <laughs> way more tag teams have broken up over a match that ends in a handshake than in a match that ends with the two of them actually punching each other, just for the record. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Real stuff. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> finally, a big picture of Flytrap opens us up and the boys are on the march as the planet seems to rip itself apart around them, like just like big gouts of lava blowing up places and stuff like that. Sure, why not? The the planet is also dying. It's bad. Still tipsy from the mud, the company's guessing what's in Kano's box. You know, they're taking bets and stuff. It's really, I mean, again, morbid. Yeah. Meanwhile, Flytrap's in a bad way. He's going in and out of consciousness, being carried around by Wallbanger and stuff, deliriously demanding that his plant arm be cut off. And the arm itself, in fact, seems to be rotting off of him. And then things Ugh. get worse when a freaking, like, swarm of vampire trees attacks the company. Oh, which, God. Which, all right, sure. Yeah. And I guess these killer vampire, you know, trees with, like, they got, like, uh, thorns on them and stuff like that and i guess the way you kill them is you gotta like grab a key part of a tree and suck the sap out of it <laughs> it seems pretty gross i'm not gonna like that's just to be frank you know i am keeping all of like how i feel about this scene very yeah just i have but, i have i have feelings about this scene. <laughs> yeah they take these trees out and crack and thrax talks about how these trees seem like they had gone crazy which like well you got to be real weird for to consider a a, a ravenous carnivorous tree to be crazy like that's pretty crazy <laughs> it's i'm yeah exactly and knowing the difference between when they're acting normal and when they're like something's going wrong with them i feel like there's all this backstory for thrax that i <laughs> i think we're never gonna get it i feel like we never like someone tell me if there's a point in bad company where they're like what's the deal with thrax you don't like you don't the- you don't need to explain it but like if there's if it just goes deeper please let me know because this man is, is fucking fascinating yeah there's a lot going on and i and like i know what happens in bad company and in bad company too and whatever happens after Whoa. that and i feel like is bad none company too called worse company um it's called bewilderness but we'll get there later <laughs> okay uh, suddenly, Wallbanger picks up seven cruel vehicles coming their way at top speed. The company ambushes them, of course, and it's almost too easy to kill them all because they weren't trying to defend themselves and weren't even re- ready for a fight or anything. They were just blasting towards the cruel main base, seemingly on the run from something, despite really, this being cruel country. Really seems like maybe we should uh, kind of be alert and I uh, hope nothing happens to distract us from 
kind of assessing this situation. Yeah, man, what could be happening? I mean, you know, it seems we- weird actions for the cruels. I mean, you know, deep in their territory, running for something. Oh, Jesus, Flytrap's being eaten by his own arm. <laughs> Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Death rattle. It's fantastic. It's it like I what so here's my deal. Here's my mm-hmm. deal. When I was reading this, uh oh my like the stuff and how ha- like that Kano says and how he acts like really just doubled down on this and as you just kind of increasingly see how much these people are just fucked and mm-hmm. sad and yeah it just gets worse and worse and then it ends with a man getting eaten by his own arm and i'm like stuff <laughs> what's you know. send me send me a message bad company but send me one at a time <laughs> you know it was such a great way to like exit the whole thing it was just really schlock it it's was so ri- schlock yeah it's such a ridiculous cliffhanger you know <laughs> Plus, but it also setting up a larger cliffhanger, like what's going on with these cruels, and yeah, also exactly. what's in what's in Kano's box. We got a lot of question marks going on here, Fox. So it's a cool way to end uh, this section of Bad Company for sure. Mm. You know, but uh, speaking of uh, adventures in the far future, Fox. Oh my God, with a foxy vampire. Thrill two, strontium dog. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of out of control vampires. Uh, <laughs> Script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant, art about Carlos Escare, letting you about Gordon Robson and his kid Robson. Fox! Oh my god, I love this storyline. <laughs> We're in Habakkuk City on the planet Kayak, and mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Durham Red are fighting with some other strong team dogs, other mutant bounty hunters, over a chance to capture the alien terrorists slash freedom fighters that have kidnapped President Ronald Reagan from the year 1987. <laughs> Thank you for saying the full sentence. I can't not, man. Like <laughs> he he is my favorite character right now. And that's uh, rough Reagan? because yeah. yeah, because Red and Alpha are in this. But he's I mean he's so fantastic, Conrad. The way yeah, no, the way that uh that they're that uh that uh, Grant Wagner writing Reagan in this is freaking hilarious. It's real good. <laughs> real good. And it's it's so like obviously biting political commentary. Yeah, well, it like I pulls wanna... no punches. It's like no. no, you you need to know he's dumb and see. Well, okay, well, you, okay. I want to I want to get to this in a second, but first. Okay. <laughs> um. So so last time, some other strong team dogs were trying to snake this bounty, and we saw um uh, Durham and Johnny get 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 the drop on him. It's it's tough because I want to call people. I, I want to say sidebar fox. Yes. Like, I want to call people by the same name. So usually when I call people by like their last name to try to call everybody by their last names, you know? Oh, I understand. But oh, it's, I, 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 but I really want to say like Red and Johnny, you know? Yeah. Like I only want to call Durham Red, Red. You know what I mean? Just, like, so, I don't he, know. so Johnny's got to step up to the plate. <laughs> but so, but it means, you know, cause like, cause like, yeah, but I, and, and I like calling Johnny Alpha Johnny. So it's sort of where, you know, it, 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 it's tough. so chummy. Yeah, and, well, yeah, and he's, also, he's my buddy at this point. I've, I've known know, him since he was a kid. You know, <laughs> it makes <laughs> that's actually <laughs> yeah, it's actually that's actually pretty true. Uh, so, do you know what what's really easy if you're just going for that kind of consistency is just having a dude with one name like one name like Stock Guy. 
<laughs> yeah, listen. In this case, stock guy who listen guesses mutation, buddy. It's not that he's got a face on his elbow, you know. Um, got a stock guy. Um, and so for the dude with his face on his knee. Sorry. Yeah, kidney. We we oh, remember right. that guy. But um, but. Red's about to like drink his blood and he's like, no, I'm anemic, please. <laughs> you won't get a good meal out of me. My blood's real watery. I'm a coward. And Red's like, gross. Like he just offered her kale or something like that. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm eating salads, but not that much. Oh my God. I, I feel like that's like the first place most future people go. Like, don't, like I'd go for something worse. I don't know. Like. Anemia, like a, I feel like, gets thrown at a vampire pretty often these days. <laughs> yeah, you gotta what? You gotta like be like in True Blood, and so you've got like a vampire-based like <gasps> blood tra- blood disease. You know, I got the Hep V. You gotta let oh, me no. go. Uh, no, no, you you do the underworld thing where if you bite me, you explode. Ooh, that's what right. I like. Yeah, see, <sighs> I've got explosive blood. <laughs> I got that light blood. You gotta back off. Anyway, oh my God. okay, sorry. <laughs> um, no, we're we're both sidetracking here, but uh, anyway. Red's like, you know, I, I wasn't going to dra- dra- drink your blood anyway. You're gross. and um, <laughs> But I will drink your blood, Johnny Alpha. Hey. But they, like, knock him out. They toss him in the back of the rickshaws and send him back to the spaceport. Like, ah, oh, I got the hint. And then they take their own hover rickshaw to the sign of the fire beast under surveillance from Kaikos K Scouts. Kaikos K. Kayakskio? Kayakos. Coconut. Yeah, definitely. Um, they quickly <laughs> no. meet with a they quickly meet with a psychic. It happens mostly off screen, and then use that information <laughs> to ambush the kidnappers. Hey, sure, why not? Let me use my seeing through wall powers, yeah. uh, and uh, and let's have a, a drawn out conversation about stunning versus murdering. Yeah, Johnny demands that uh, that that red uh, set her blaster to stunt. Sorry. To stun, he sympathizes with the Kayakos case's situation. Um, no reason to be overly violent. Human, humans suck, you know, whatever. <laughs> As they attack, one of the guards gets an alarm message off, and Johnny pretty awesomely bursts through a big skylight. Oh, it's so great. So we then cut to Reagan <laughs> singing the Volga bo- bo- boat song and uh, as they go through on boats through these uh, underground tunnels, you know, vo- vo- Volga boat song, you know, yo, that one. Okay. Whatever kind of stereotypical Russian song. Um, but he says that uh, the cave tunnels they're currently on don't look like these bomb-ass subway state Moscow subway stations are always talking about. <laughs> he asks like, about the chandeliers. I mean, and then makes up a scam to get them chandeliers. Well, yeah, he literally just says like, "Hey, if you need money, like I can call my buddy Ollie North," and then he outlines the Iran contra scandal like in total of you know selling arms to the contras and funneling it into iran and stuff like that's real crazy although he's got a version that ends with using it to send the money to taiwan and allow them to sort of win a trade war against america as well a lot of a lot of deep stuff going on here it's real wild it's it's tinfoil hat hilarious. I mean, I'd say it's tinfoil hat, but it's except like, it actually li- happened. <laughs> literally, what happened? You know, <laughs> like whatever. Um, oh, it's and, so beautiful. And the Kayakos K's just hear all this and look at each other and like, Jesus Christ, have we got the right guy? Like, this <laughs> yes. is this is the president. They really have like a crisis of of faith at this point. I feel like it's real tough. Um, <laughs> 
So anyhow, uh, meanwhile, Alpha and Red are making their way through the kayak base, the Kayakoske base. Red's drops a frag grenade, saying it's concussion grenade, pissing off Johnny Alpha, who again wants to go easy on him. But Red feels justified in shooting back to kill. You know, they aren't taking mercy into consideration for them. So, you know, at some point you can, you know, it's okay to, you know, kill these guys a little bit. And Red also says that Johnny's going soft, but Johnny's like, hey, respect my wishes or we can split up right now. Yeah, man. He makes a he makes some big speeches about like, hey, these guys are also trying to just fight for their own freedom, which is kind of our thing. You know, he's trying, he's appealing to her mutanthood. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We don't know like if Red was involved with the uh, with the process. I mean, it's it's been like Mm-mm. twenty years since the um, since the revolution and stuff, you know. But I, it definitely is a little bit of Johnny's past showing up here again. You know, he can empathize with these guys fighting for freedom, having exactly. been a freedom fighter slash terrorist himself in the past. You know, <laughs> uh, so kindred spirits. Um, yeah, they capture one of these guys, and uh, Johnny hits him with this mind whammy of alpha radiation and learns the Kayakos K are taking Reagan to their base in Hang Kang <laughs> and force that, 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 that rebel then to lead them through the canals. They snag a boat and head after that purloined president. And now time for a little bit of Reagan. <laughs> yeah, in the Kios K boat, uh, Reagan is offering to rent these tunnels to store some more cruise missiles. It's a great location for cruise missiles. You know, he thinks they're in Moscow, and obviously the Moscow Underground, great place to store missiles aimed at Moscow, for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. Meanwhile, the aliens are like, you are in the future kidnapped by aliens. That's what we are. <laughs> Get it, get get it together, and he's like, "Okay, okay, Ivan, whatever." Buddy. <laughs> it's fantastic. He's not buying it. Um, and then he starts making movie-based threats and offers and stuff. Not impressed, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so he's gonna get Rambo down there, etc. Um, meanwhile, in the Strant boat, the water's getting rough because you know, realistically, honestly, it seems like the Kyos, the Kayakos K guy has led them through some deadly rapids to keep them from from covering the president. You know, once like, again. Dude, like, yeah. I, I'm just going to poke at this. Johnny Alpha, I'm going to check his brain so he, like, helps us out. Okay, he's helping us out. He says to go this way. I'm going to check your brain. If that's not true, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> oh. No, nah, man, he just figured, like, okay, like, he's he's agreed to help us. We've, like, you know, increased his friendliness meter enough that he'll, <laughs> you know, turn on his deeply held beliefs and help us for the rest of this encounter, you know? <laughs> it's implying too much video game uh, logic here. <laughs> That's fair. Instead, I mean, we also wouldn't have that sweet-ass waterfall scene, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, instead <laughs> he's led them to these deadly rapids and they go over the sides, bad times. Yeah, but this leads to some great action stuff by Ascara as we... We just see this huge chaos and terror of just being caught oh in these God. rapids. Johnny's got to think fast or die as the water rushes around him. We see him like grab red and desperately try to keep from both drowning or being smashed onto nearby rocks. Oh, it's real awesome. He sees the Kayakos K member shout death to them and glory to Kayakos K and freedom as he's swept away by the water. And as and they reach the falls. Jo- Johnny desperately grabs his gun and fires his life wire shell, which we've seen a couple times. You know, it's this grappling hook bullet that almost lets them fight against the current, but then the rope breaks. Desperately, Johnny activates his anti-grav chute, and on an invisible sphere, the pair of thrones are able to float to safety. 
on the shore. Red's glad she brought Johnny along, but he's beginning to wish he hadn't come. Uh, so 95% of that, of, uh, you know, issue 514 for this mm-hmm. is just water. And yeah. all of it's awesome. Like, I definitely had to give you space to kind of explain it because it's <laughs> so there. So he had to put words to places where there just aren't words. Yeah, you no, have to so like much look at just pictures and, and describe things, you know? Yeah, so, it's oh, really God, great. I love Strontium Dog. And it just really, like I said, you really get this sense of, like, I, I don't know if. It, if you've ever been in like a, a it, it like like going down rapids or something like that, Fox. But when you're in those kinds of situations, like a lot, like you're moving very quickly and you have to make decisions very quickly. And oh, too. It, and like the uh, like the water around you and stuff just makes it really hard to concentrate and figure out what you're going to do. And Scare does an amazing job of just cre- you know creating that sense as you see Johnny sort of going down there. Mm. You know, you see him like like grab red, like push off rocks, like do all this stuff at once. It's really great. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I just I like how I like how they get a little little joke in at the end. Like it was just such a nice romp. It was just them Definitely. doing awesome action things, you know, and just intermittently because this is how you do comedy. In this yeah, case. I mean, this is such like, a it's perfect like action movie funny thing, you know, of just mm-hmm. someone saying something as a joke and someone else being like, you know, having a having a perfect rejoinder. You know, it's really yeah, mm-hmm. great stuff here. Oh, delicious! Absolutely. Next time on Strontium Dog, the blood donor. <laughs> <laughs> great. <clears throat> Oh wait, that means she's gonna drink somebody. Okay, put him down. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, speaking, uh, continuing our themes of zombies and the undead, Fox. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> Thrill three, Judge Dread. Oh, my God, it's so uh, fucked up. <laughs> there's some crazy ones here, buddy. Um, so script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant, art robot Steve Dillon, Gary Re- Leach, and Cam Kennedy. Letting robot that Tom Frame. Oh baby. So we start out with Steve Dillon on art. As a lady with an improbable haircut visits her boyfriend Brad and finds him dead, his heart cut out. Dread yeah, on the case. Brad. Oh my <laughs> God! What happened to the front of your chest, Brad? Oh man, I'm totally dead. Like there's just so much of my heart gone. Oh, I'm yeah. so dead. The victim was bludgeoned, and then his ticker was removed. Dread questions the woman, Karine Krupps, but she's in shock and doesn't respond well to Dread's hard questioning. And I'll mention here, Fox, there is a little bit of art inconsistency as a med check basically uh, morphs into Dread with med written on its helmet. Like, it definitely seems like there's just some confusion going on here. Don't worry about it. My but, favorite uh, part is the is the nice shot with just his head down on the ground. But then when you see him flipped open, it is a literal chest burster wound. Yeah, it's bad times. Yeah, Dread, Dread clears Kareen, and it's pretty clear that, that this was done by an amateur, not by like a, uh, a an organ legger or something like that. You know, this is right. more someone cutting out hearts for fun instead of for profit, basically. It's a crime of passion. A female judge has questioned the neighbors, and while they did report some DIY sounds the previous day, uh, which is the, the buzz saw cutting the heart out of the chest and stuff, oh, there's God. no actual witnesses. And Dred's like, well, that's just great. <laughs> I'm just going to pout. Yeah. We then cut to the story of Earl Lacewing, a fellow with an improbable haircut who is in love with Karine Krupps. 
And also a total skis. Oh, yeah. Ultra skis. Follows her around secretly <laughs> and eventually just plants a bunch of tiny cameras in her apartment, which is not cool. Like, and just shows a series of things where he's sitting in front of her televi- or his television just watching her shower or eat or sleep. And it's just, oh, my God. It's stuff like this where a modern reading of that movie, Re- Revenge of the Nerds, is that it's about the bad guys winning and dominating the college. It's bad oh times, my- you know? Um <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, um, and then, but, but eventually things get bad for Earl, whatever, when we see that, uh, Kareen has fallen for Bradwell Donald. Oh, oh he's so, he's so Tish handsome. Uh, <laughs> You're pretty cute, babe. Why don't you marry me? Yeah. Brad proposes and Kareen accepts and that drives Earl mad. Oh man. And as I stand with my box, that's just like beating with the heart because yeah. telltale heart i guess kills brad takes his heart as his trophy takes a second to gloat and laugh maniacally when the heart starts to beat in the box buddy hey man you ever read that one story it's that yeah except like with a creeper mm, yeah i feel like it was an old it was like an old guy with a per- and like the guy in the telltale heart had planned a perfect murder basically mm. so it was sort of a bigger thing i feel like earl would have been caught one way or another um, yeah but There's we are forensics. going yeah, we are going full Edgar Allan Poe as Brad's heart starts to beat incredibly loudly on Earl's tabletop. Meanwhile, Dredd is investigating Kareen Krupp's place and swiftly finds the place is pretty heavily bugged, which is suspicious. <laughs> and I like how he's just like, they're not they're not um, Justice Department yeah. issued. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I do like the coolness of just Dredd walking in, not even like, like just being like, hey, you're aware you're being bugged right in this apartment, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just he just spots it, man. He knows Instantly a bug department. It. Yeah. Meanwhile, Earl is wandering the streets with the heart. He tries to ditch it on a park bench, but some punk kid brings it back to him. Ooh, these kids. Oh, my God. And then starts trying to open it here. Take this money and go away. You should have put it in that public grinder where Sardini put the skins I, last episode. I don't overthink it. I just I chalked it up to him just like being really nervous. Yeah. But, I mean, that's I mean, the first place my mind would have gone. Yeah, it is some real kind of Star Trek stuff where there's just, uh, you know, don't remember the plot contrivance of one episode for the next episode, you know. Yeah, that's like, fair. FYI. Like, like there, there, there definitely are ways to get rid of body parts in Mega City 1 if you have one that's troubling, you know. Sure. I mean, yeah, you could just leave it on a park bench, apparently. You'd hope so. I mean, damn good kids. I mean, that'd work nowadays, too. Just drop that heart. Get out of there. Um <laughs> If there's or, anything that we're saying or, to you guys out there, it's just leave the heart. Or so I would think. I don't know. Um, anyway. <laughs> back at Kareen's, it seems like the bugs can't be tracked. But Dread figures that whoever's doing this is only going to get more crazy. Um, so I mean. Just, you know, so let's bug this place back up by the Justice Department <laughs> and then wait for something to happen. Basically. And she's just, yeah, this poor woman. Yeah. Earl can't sleep over the beating of the hideous heart, but he gets an idea and, you know, walks the box over to Kareen's, basically. Hey, well, how's it going? Also, it's so much easier to talk to you now that I've delivered this heart. Real confidence booster, you know. Um, but anyhow, Dredd gets word of this and rushes over. At the apartment, Earl gives the box to Kareen, who, of course, doesn't even know him. Um, bad times. Um, she's pretty freaked out by this box, as I guess you can imagine. Because <laughs> there's luck- a heart inside. Yeah. Luckily, Dredd's there to arrest him before things can escalate. And he can't hear the heart beating. But then again, he's not crazy. <laughs> Which oh. I thought was a pretty funny. End. 
I mean, that's dread. Yeah. Like, no, I can't hear the symptoms of your mental illness, dummy. Get out of here. The cubes. <laughs> Next. This is a fun one. So, I don't know. But next up, uh, Gary Leach takes over on art as we learn that fa- a famous pop star named Jackson Prince, we learn about him. This we, is fucked. <laughs> we go through his ancient estate and his various irregularities, including owning the bones of the Elephant Man and Joan, or sorry, John Hurt, the guy who played the Elephant Man in the movie. Oh, Jesus. And, and big statues of a chimpanzee. It's, it's Michael Jackson, buddy. We all know this. Um, <laughs> it's a wink and a nod. To the weirdest man who ever lived. Yeah, although not at like Max weirdness at this like at this point like eighty seven he's just eccentric, buddy. He's just really rich and eccentric. Oh, know? I mean, I mean the the fake life that they made for him is fucking weird. I mean, I don't know if things would have been super worse if like um it like Jackson Prince who in nineteen ninety five removed himself from society and put himself into spin and animation not to be revived until twenty one oh nine this year. You know. Oh my god. He looks good, actually, as they de- as they defrost him. But sadly, uh, 1995 technology wasn't great for preserving brains, and Uh-oh. Jackson comes back to life as basically a, a, a dancing zombie, um, a dancing oh, zombie that's not very good at dancing a thriller. But whatever. Um, <laughs> or sorry, I said not the not the good thriller kind of dancing zombie, the bad kind. But yeah, it's the Rilla um, dancing zombie. Mm. I will say that this this ends up feeling historically accurate just because I don't know if you remember <laughs> um, there was that baseball guy uh, Roger Maris who got who who was cryogenically frozen. <laughs> Conrad from the future here. I said Roger Maris. I met Ted Williams. My excuse? I don't know a lot about baseball. Anyway, back to the past. <laughs> Around like the mid nineties, and then what? there were rep- there were reports of like that the cryogenic freezing place was like a total scam, and like you know his body was not well cared for. Like they like drilled holes in his frozen skull and stuff like that. Jesus um, Christ, why? Just because people die and they want to be reborn in the future, you know they haven't like they thought. No, about I mean it a, the drilling into his skull. <laughs> Oh, you know, because people are terrible, Fox. Like, I feel like I don't have to explain this to you too much. Um, oh, I mean, maybe I thought it was like some fucked up part of the process. This is horrible. It might be. I, I admit, I, I didn't do enough research on this part. But there's, I, there's, there's stuff there are, for that. There are very few things that you need your skull drilled in for. There's yeah, not that ba- many. Basically, though, this whole cryogenic freezing thing, like there's that one um, episode issue of a transmetropolitan that really talks about like dealing huh. with a with literal future shock and stuff this idea of someone like being frozen in the 1990s and waking up in the far future and just not being able to handle what the future is <laughs> you know I, that just immediately made me go to don't worry their whole existence would be over in a page anyway <laughs> yeah i mean fair but i mean it's very much like this sort of problem i mean not that sorry, oh. like even it means even if things work exactly the way they're supposed to, it's still kind of bad news. But it's even worse when you're Jackson Prince, and again you're just kind of a dancing zombie going. Rilla, rilla, this is how I would like have wanted to live in my future state, I guess. Definitely, um, and it's even it's it's rough though as the executors of the estate because they've the one of the uh, one of the uh, requirements is that once he's defrosted, he's got to go out that night and do a, a return tour and oh like perform. God. They were not prepared um, for this. Yeah, bad. It's it, again 
bad times. Not being great. The concert <laughs> is a starting a dreads work in crowd control. Uh, Jackson comes out. He's shambling to the tune of his greatest hits. And people just go straight to uh, Emperor's New Clothes here, Fox, as you do. Oh they, they think he's great. And because it's Mega City 1, this then sparks a riot and the stage gets rushed. Oh, my God. Riot show, riot foam is deployed and the concert's over. But tell that to the still dancing zombie Prince of Pop. God, that's so depressing. <laughs> it's just so weird, man. I I do really like Gary Leach's uh, zombie Michael Jackson here. He's oh, got yeah. like some some weird like a uh, dreadlocky like tentacles coming out of his head. But otherwise, it is a very cool like le- like a zombie zombie Michael dancing around like that. That's cool. I, I mean, I definitely like the clothes a lot. Goes through a yeah. few. Rilla. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Cam Kennedy closes this out art-wise for Dread as Citizen Garfield Bros at the Lewis Simon Block, who I believe is an architect known for the colonial revival style, uh, rubs an old lamp that was willed to him by his Uncle Omar, and it's a Galdern genie. And I guess if you can get zapped to another dimension... If you can get sucked into a portal to hell, why not genies, right? Always. Um, this is yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, we've <laughs> seen there have been genies before in um, Dread. I don't know if there was one in the main progs, but I know in one of the annuals there was like a being that was like that was like in like a gem, very genie style that like Judge huh. Anderson dealt with, and they like buried him or they 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 dropped him in the middle of the Black Atlantic and stuff like that. You know? listen, there's zany magic in um, in Mega City One. <laughs> We all know just, that. Yeah, and now it's time to do your genie's wishes. You get three. Dread, Dread literally turned into a werewolf. But, oh, uh, that's yeah. actually, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, goddamn genie. Um, grants wishes or else I punch you face. So let's get going. Um, Garfield <laughs> wishes for riches and gets an opulent pad and a billion credits in his welfare account. Hey, sure, why not? But yeah. like, <laughs> naturally, this this registers with the Justice Department. They send Dredd out to investigate <laughs> this guy's uh, 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 financial changes. Garfield, um, and what I think is pretty awesome is that Dredd like calls him up, and Garfield just like, "Hey, I found a genie, bro! Like, I got <laughs> yeah, rich from it." I mean, he's <laughs> it is really great. He does just like out and out say it. Yeah, and Dredd's like, "I'm I'm coming over there. <laughs> this is ridiculous." <laughs> Nat- <laughs> naturally, bros. Yeah, with Dread on his way, Bros wishes to get rid of Dread, just send him as far away as he possibly can, and Dread is suddenly teleported to a planet on the far edge of the universe. <laughs> and runs into like a weird dinosaur that's like yeah. spitting goo. Bumping into transdimensional murder beasts and all this stuff. Oh. Um, 40 minutes later, uh, Bros has one wish left, and the Justice Department has noticed Dread is missing. <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> he was last headed to, Bro- to that Bros place. Let's go. A fleet of judges head over, and Bros wishes to be sent somewhere they'll never find him, and namely the same planet that Dread was just sent to. <laughs> Which, hey, that's actually pretty good luck. I feel like uh, this genie's been so far doing a really good traditional genie job. That's what oh, yeah, I, no. I mean, the, the, that's what they call it professionally, a genie job. I mean, yeah, this is a good, like, twist of fate, um, like, wish. You know, you wish yourself yeah, away. Only, stuff. Yeah, right into the hands of Dread. Seems, seems reasonable. Um, anyhow, Dread arrests him. <laughs> he, he catches up with Garfield. He arrests him for kidnap and grievous bodily harm of a judge and for the stuff with the credits, too. Like, we got to, you know, that that's not kosher. And he arrests the, the genie as an accessory. Which, 
is fantastic. He was apparently only going to give him no, no. He was just well, going to give him life. <laughs> yeah, he, he he gave him three years on the cover, you know, and yeah. um, and the genie tries to say, oh, I was just granting the wishes, you know, and it's Greg's like, like, that's that's no excuse. Get out of here with that. <laughs> yeah, that's com- you're complicit. But Dread grabs the lamp, and now he's got wishes. Wish one <laughs> back to Earth. Wish two, bros gets 20 years. <laughs> Wish three, genie gets three years. No, better make it life. So fantastic. And they get adjoining cubes and magic's no defense against the law. <laughs> That's reasonable. Eat it, magic. <laughs> yeah. Eat it. Next time, dread unmasked. Oh, that's not going to happen. You and I both know that. It's going to be a little complicated, but no, you're definitely not going to see the front of Jed's face here. What are you, new? <laughs> um, hey, Fox, I have a serious question for you. Oh, that's cool. I have a serious answer. Yeah. If you had access to a genie, what would you wish for? Oh, uh, probably the first thing would be the ability to eat anything I wanted to get nutrition. So I would just Ooh. eat pizza like all the time, like the healthiest way. I could just eat anything. That would be svelte and beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, you went a different way with that. I was like, oh, yeah, then you can save money. You can just eat rocks. Live it up. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, that'd be dope. <laughs> I would totally eat things like rocks. That's fantastic. guess you could just eat dirt and survive off of that. Wow, I'd be actually pretty efficient at some point. So the second thing would definitely be <clears throat> like a small house somewhere very far away from people with like just the perfect internet so that if I wanted to get off the grid, I'd just go there. And then I, I don't know the third wish I'd like, I don't know, probably order a pizza, <laughs> get it there mm. immediately. Reasonable. Like I'm a wasteful man with these things. I'm like, get this shit out of here. You got to keep it, got to keep it simple. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. My wishes would be one for like a really unreasonable amount of money. And then my resulting wishes would be uh, dealing with the complications of that first wish. Solid. Anyway, <laughs> You got to go with eating rocks, man. It's so much easier. Yeah, get those get those uh, nutritious rocks from uh, last episode. You know, live it up. Oh it my sweet god! Style. It always comes. It always comes in a circle, Fox. And uh, <laughs> speaking of bringing things back to 2000 AD, it's non thrills, covers, and nerve center. Man, so many cool covers. Yeah, some good ones. Prague 511, break the law, and he'll break you. Believe it in this cool ass Cliff Robinson cover. And I'll mention also, Fox, this is the Prague for February 28th, 1987, which means that we're officially 10 years from Prague 1, February 26th, 1977. Holy shit. Awesome. Yeah, we came so far, buddy. Uh, Tharg tells us to start getting hype for Prague 520, which will be the uh, 10th anniversary in Prague numbers. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of a cool crew with sunglasses, and uh, Judge Debbie Harry is a fr- French kissing in Mega City. Wow, <laughs> French kissing USA is a weird song, buddy. Um, it is. There, it's strange. Yeah, there are letters complaining about the incorrect date on a recent contest. Complaints about there being too much kissing in recent progs. What? And, yeah, get out of here. And a dispatch rider, or a despatch rider, who's a motorcycle courier, says it's hard to, it'd be hard to navigate in Mega City 1. Seems like. I mean, yeah. a lot of people just die, man. 
Definitely. Midprog, there's a full-page ad for Eagle, which is a new look for issue 259. I, I talked to Where Eagles Dare about this. It's way ahead of them in their timeline, but it's basically uh, better paper, just some new stories and stuff. Reboot of Dan Dare that just looks freaking atrocious that I'm pretty excited <laughs> to hear coverage about, I gotta say. Um, there's also an ad for... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. There, um, there's also an ad, a small ad in here that's asking for questions about the upcoming DR and Quinch uh, problem page. It'll be later we call the agony page which is coming soon and then there's a preview for torquemada the god coming in Prague 520 a five issue kev o'neill phantasmagoria i'm super pumped oh my god just a lot of torquemada a lot of kev o'neill drawing crazy torquemada stuff i'm pretty That's stoked beautiful yeah Prague 512 the zombie beat a oh, real man. cool bad company cover with a zombie malcolm face i love this one so That's sick a- and it's a real neat counterpoint to that Malcolm X cover from last episode or from two mm. episodes ago, maybe, where it was a close-up of non-zombie Malcolm. Good yeah. times. Inside, Tharg announces that the Mega City Primer is ending and there's instructions to make a mega poster. Um, letters plug a uh, New Zealand comic book shop, a request about what Durham Red's mutation is because she kind of looks normal. And, buddy, all these mutants aren't evil. The lady's a vamp. <laughs> <laughs> the dame's a vamp. Yeah. Uh, a pair of readers say they've been reading 2000 AD for three and a half years, and Thark's like, whatever, newbies, what took you so long? There's pictures of Judge Dredd, which is a xenomorph judge, and you're in very bad company. Just a, a team of Torquemada, Max Bubba, Mean Machine, Kano, and Judge Death. I like how Kano made the super bad guys list. Yeah, you know, you, you, you got to put a recent... Well, plus it's called Bad Company, so you kind of got to put him in too. <laughs> oh, fuck. Someone told me an origin of Max Bubba's name, which I thought was pretty interesting. What is it? So, you know the gum, like Hubba Bubba? Have you had have yeah, you that gum? Yeah, I've had Hubba Bubba. So, I guess there was an ad that was like somebody chewing a giant piece of Hubba Bubba and then getting just a face full of like chew, of like pop chewing gum. Okay. And, and it so, just looked fucking disgusting. Yeah, in the same way that that thin veil of skin on Max Bubba's face uh, is. I know? really so just, I was so much that. happier with thinking he was like a potato man or like or a bag was a over bag. his head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, sometimes it's better just to be in, in mystery, you know. Um, <laughs> then this prog ends with the final primer page. Um, Mega City Primer page and a guide to putting them together. And so this thing ends up being a poster that's like four progs by three progs and like two and a half meters long. It's gigantic. Whoa. Um, in Prog 513, 2000 AD featuring Judge Dredd with a, a giant damn Dread logo and a Law Master by Robinson. I really Beautiful. love how, how clearly you can see the Dread profile in the J at this size mm-hmm. of the logo, you know? In the Nerf Center, Tharg the Scummer lets us know the cool contents of 2080 Monthly and solicits for, ten, for 10th anniversary well wishes. Woo! Yeah, there's a picture of a very Snoopy-looking real strontium dog. Letters <laughs> asking how Judge Magruder could be chief judge in the future in City of the Damned if you took the long walk. Uh, Tharg makes the extremely fair point that we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I'll also mention that killing the mutant has messed up Earth's ley lines generally. So, you know, that whole timeline's out of whack. Who knows? Exactly. Letters also request more DR and Quinch. A possible famous person offers consideration if Tharg helps him now, and Tharg's like, forget famous first, then we'll talk. <laughs> um, and our readers had her thrill circuits burnt out again by Tharg. Ooh, shakes fists. Nice. Uh, 
And a, a special shout out to the Thundercats Crunchy Potato yeah! Snacks ad, dude. I, I'm so angry that they got those and we didn't. You could get glitter stickers from them, buddy. Oh, Dude, they look awesome. You have Definitely. Mumra up at the top. You got Chitara. Or no, actually, I think that's Wily Kit and Wily. Uh, yeah, Wily Kit. No, it is Chitara. Whoa. Okay. Look at this guy knowing these freaking uh, Thundercat names. Although I, yeah, I knew, and then you I knew have you have Lino Mamura, in the action pose. You I have no Lino. idea. I I'm, <laughs> I'm there's Panther man myself. Yeah. yeah, you got the Panther sticker in there, and then there's Snarf, uh, the thing that no one liked. Listen, I'll, you can you can pry my comedy side characters, uh, psychic characters from my cold dead hands, buddy. That's what I'll, that's oh, all I got. God, it's just a floating <laughs> shit ass lizard cat. Anyway, Snarf. Um, towards the end of the prog, yeah. Towards the end of the prog, we got some spitting images, which are either weird puppets about uh, '80s British politics or dread caricatures. That the second one in this case. There's a Judge Spock, Judge Elwood Blues, Judge Kano, Judge Margaret Thatcher, and Judge Ronald Reagan, uh, and a quick and some quick turnaround because someone's got a Judge Durham Red and a Judge Cruel in here. Nice. Um, this page is also pretty cool, actually. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a small advertisement in the bottom section by Martin Barker, who's looking for uh, former readers of Action. Really? And he Yeah, he's doing research. He wants to talk to them to do research what would eventually, bec- eventually become the seminal action text, History of a Violent Comic. It's a book that's been an Whoa. invaluable resource for me doing Space Spinner Reaction. Well worth your time if you're interested in the subject of it. Really great, great book. It's got a lot of like discussion with creators. There's stuff about what would have happened if the censorship, if, if the censorship hadn't come down and stuff like that. Whoa. It's a great book. And it's just cool to see it advertised here in the page of 2000 AD, especially as we've just finished our, our action coverage. You know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, man. That's awesome. Case Ross Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, also, this prog ends with the first in a series of classic covers by year. We're starting with, with 1977 and the covers for progs one Nine, ten, and forty-five, and that's the Space Spinner cover. Uh, mm-hmm. Artie Gruber from Harlem Heroes, Call Me Kenneth, and the Dan and the uh, Dan Dare, Big Dan Dare covers. It's pretty sweet, um, man. Yeah, it's like a nice all these callback. Definitely, yeah, it brings back memories for me for sure. And then in these collections, there's one cover that's got a difference from the original. In this case, it's the Dan Dare. He's looking off to the side instead of straight ahead. Oh, interesting. So. In Prague 514, three wishes, master, three years, creep. <laughs> Although this one, uh, do, showing the uh, the Dread Genie cover, it's another Steve Dillon cover for a Cam Kennedy story, which is an mm. interesting d- 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 division of labor, I guess. The taxidermist did that, too. And then in the Nerve Center, Tharg the Cruel says you can meet Nemesis, Torquemada, Purity Brown, and Purity Brown are reasonable facsimiles thereof, along with Pat Mills and Brian Talbot, at a signing at Forbidden Planet. And presumably this is when they did the photo shoot for the Nemesis photo strips, which we'll be huh. suffering through soon enough. Ooh, oh. it's a real... Oh, no, really? <laughs> like, listen, when you see this homemade Nemesis and these homemade Nemesis and Torquemada masks, Fox, you're gonna... Ooh, you're gonna feel bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I already um, don't like the photo strips. This is gonna be it. It's not like this. Is, this is one of those. Um, like almost as soon as it happens, we everyone was instantly making fun of it. I think. Uh. But, um, <laughs> 
There's also a picture of a bat in this nerf center. There's a picture of a battle droid looking vaguely hammersteiny and some letters. One of the letters asks why her Durham Red casts a shadow. And dude, she's not that kind of vamp. Jesus Christ. All right. Like she's not like a, she's not like a cursed by God supernatural vampire. She's just a mutant that happens to like some blood and has some canine development. All right. Like she doesn't care about garlic. She's fine during the day. Just like, you know, back off, all right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like she probably gets that a lot. Someone just flashes her at crucifix and she's like, stop it. Yeah, don't care about that. Um, another letter in, um, accuses a recent dread story of being inspired by the Talking Heads song Radiohead. But okay. man, you know, Tharg just loves Captain Beefheart. He doesn't listen to Talking Heads. Um, <laughs> also, some readers have drawn a huge 2080 mural on their wall and request funds from Tharg to take it with them when they move. No dice. <laughs> then mid-prog, there's an ad for a Judge Anderson story coming in Prog 520. I'm pretty stoked about Hour of the Wolf with art by Barry Kitson. Could be great. And this prog ends with covers from 1978. Um, and I think, I think the Dan Dare cover from last time might be the only one with the change because these ones all look right to me. And I spent like 15 minutes huh. comparing them with the original art. And so I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> It's the Cursed Earth. Um, it's the end of the Cursed Earth from Prague 85, the premiere of, Ro- of Robo Hunter from 76, the Watch the Sky UFO, co- or Watch the Sky's UFO cover from Prague 64, and Dread About to Be Eaten by Satanus from Prague 74. Um, so from awesome. 74. Yeah. A lot of memories here. All of this just early 2017 action from us in Space Spinner. You know? <laughs> and with that, Fox, let's. Finish up this primer. Take it away. Oh, my God. V is for vermin, the criminal brand, who lurk in the shadows with guns in their hands. V is also for victims, innocent saps, who suffer the violence dished out by the taps. W's Walter, the wobot of dread. (laughs) He keeps the judge laundered, watered, and fed. X is for Xanadu, the Grunwalder's lair. Dread tracked the angels and slaughtered them there. Y is for youth. Y juves and Y dolts. There's millions of Ys and thousands of cults. Z is for Zitz, a villainous crew. They'll kick you to death while singing to you. Z's also for Zitz. There's one on your face. Wanna buy some? Try Sump's auto play. Or auto, auto Sump's place. Oh my god. You blew it! No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> there it is. Judge Dredd's world. Never said it was fun. That frightening place called Mega City One. Oh, what a dope. What a dope collection of things. Yeah, pretty excited about it, man. Love this Except thing. Except for the Walter one. I feel like W, there's so many things you could have chosen. No one knows who that <laughs> is anymore. You're getting this list, buddy. It's uh, terrible. Anyway. Uh, speak. Uh, actually, no. I'm not going to be mean to it. Here we go. Oh. Thrill for the dead. I was going to be like, speaking of terrible, but I'm okay oh. with the dead. I don't know. It's oh, real man. gross, for sure. Uh, script robot Pete, Peter Milligan, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Steve Potter. So this comic was really, really hard for me to read through. And it's not like that. And that's not a negative as much as it sounds like yeah. it is just like really mind warping, strange. I like because it's night while I'm recording this here. It's super fucking creepy. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and like just so much body horror. And so I had to like take small breaks. And I'm like, man, like, you know, I'm yeah. alone in my house and I'm an adult man. But, like, you know, sometimes shit just creeps you out and you got to like watch a funny video. <laughs> yeah, I do remember when I first read through, I uh, tapped out of this one kind of early. But it is. Um, yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on here. Oh, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. So Flood was dead, but this was only the beginning. A mortal future of human flood has been killed to investigate the afterlife for a solution to the demons that have begun erupting from the bodies of immortal humans in the far future. That, just keep it in mind. Um, <laughs> also remember that uh, Flood is this weird, um, baggy, naked dude with a bunch of head tentacles. You know, just yeah, again. Just, just mark it don't down. Worry. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're they're gonna I mean I mean the amount of times he just disintegrates in this uh, anyway yeah in the afterlife he is quickly found by a being called Root Root introduces himself as the last human being to die twelve hundred and thirty three years ago to be precise oh. and but instead of continuing on to the limbo worlds beyond he stayed behind in a sort of purgatory spaceport kind of thing yeah um, and, and he it's got just- super Uggs. Yeah, he's been rooted to the spot and this grown into some kind of crazy, just like Cronenberg tree, I want to say. Yeah, <laughs> like, nightmare tree. Yeah, nightmare tree. It's pretty solid. Got a head coming out the side <laughs> to talk to you and stuff like that. Uh, and the eyes, like the fucking, like, uh, it's like a, like a. Just yeah. ah. real bad. He also has access to the whole of human history and memory and grants a flood, a vision of being a child during the great London fire, running away from the plague and the death. It's uh, they're there. This is where they start to lay it on thick, but it's just so fucking horrible with the close up of the dude's mouth and yeah, big tooth and stuff like that. I want to say I, like, I love Bella Dinelli so much. <laughs> Like both, honestly, both Ballardinelli and Milligan are doing some amazing yeah. work here. Like the way, terrifying. Yeah, Milligan writes this stuff, puts you in the, in the place of flood and in this weird world, and then how that sort of goes with and clashes with Ballardinelli's, um, it just going all out art style and stuff. It's it's really like ridiculous. Oh, um, I mean, it definitely fits the world that he's being transported to. Definitely. Yeah, so Root shows Flood to a badass spaceship and says it will take him to the Limbo Worlds. But since the dead, um, and in the Limbo Worlds is where the dead learn to fight the demons and keep them from entering the real world. However, since all of humanity's Limbo Worlds have been conquered by demons, to learn to fight, Flood will have to travel to other races' worlds. Root, Root says that Flood must become like the fire itself, burning out the plague of London, even if it destroys the old city in the process. My God. And that's one of these things, like, I feel like the, the great London fires, one of these things was in, like, you know, 1566 or something like that. Mm. And, you know, like, I think, like, the city had been beset by the bubonic plague and stuff. And there was this giant fire that just spread all over the place and basically burned up, like, a like most of historical London, basically. Oh, so they had to rebuild like on the ashes. It's crazy stuff. Um, so Great flooded, foreshadowing. Yeah, keep, well, listen, like you don't even know the half of it at this point, Fox, I'm just saying. But, oh uh, my God. Flood has left his own death sphere and because of it separates, his body just blasts into a bunch of different chunks uh, just lying all around each other and stuff. It was just so graphic. Like just a head, like some arms lying around and all that stuff. He quickly coagulates together and begins his quest. Oh, look at all these weird creatures down there. I'm going to keep flying and land at a weird ruins with, yeah, uh, with find- a feek out front. 
Uh, he finds several alien worlds already overrun by demons. And we learn from Root that the demons are the opposite of life. He wanted to for- destroy all forms of it, even like the life in the afterlife, I guess. But I'm not clear about that. <laughs> yeah, guess. but they're also like beings. So wouldn't that make them alive? But I guess they're not. <laughs> they're bad. Doesn't That's matter. all you need to know. Yeah, really. exactly. Don't think uh, about it too much. Yeah, Flood lands in an empty world and investigates. Like you said, there's some, some feeks around here. Um, oh. But when he does, he is ambushed by demons. Uh, dude, he turns the guy over. There are maggots crawling out of his eyes, nose, and mouth. And as he turns him over, the fish man fucking explodes. Like, into these crazy, like, multi-piece demons and stuff like that. Oh, it's, it's real terrifying. It's fucking horror-inducing. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, there's these crazy monsters coming after Flood. He tries to escape back to... Oh, sorry. Um, we do see that Flood, that Flood is somehow able to overcome these monsters, mm-hmm. but the way he does it isn't a way he's conscious of. It seems like he goes into an autopilot when he gets too close to these demons or something. Yeah, exactly. And he just keeps kind of going. Yeah. He escapes back to his ship and thinks he's made it, but the demons attack him there, too. Oh, God. Things look real bad when a trio of beings appear on the ship with the same sunken look and bitter smell as Flood, each looking like they recognize. The most terrifying monster in all of this is the chair monster. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so these aliens, is a bird dude. There's a platypus man. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the inside of Flood of Flood spaceship turns into demons, and there is indeed a uh, an, an evil cherry going after him. Oh, it's uh, just everything turned into gooey demons. Yeah. These aliens, there's a bird dude, a platypus man, shout out to UPN, and an ape guy. They dispatch these demons, and as Flood joins them, he passes out. Like, he joins them in, like, fighting the demons and eating their demon flesh and stuff, and as he does, he passes out. Ugh. When he wakes up, he finds himself um, surrounded by uh, all by by different aliens, all the same type this time. There are these crazy beings. They got long arms and legs coming out of a central abdomen that's got a giant mouth and nostrils in it, and then a very long neck that ends in a single eye with eight like feathery feathers or wings coming out of it at the top. <laughs> that is the exact description. It is terrifying to watch them be things. They kind of look like gross ass, like like feather dusters, kind of. I guess, yeah. like if you were if you took if you, if you took a feather duster and tried to give it like arms and legs and make it animate, this is sort of what you'd end up with. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> Pretty terrifying. Um, we we meet their leader Hook because he's the longest of the dead currently there, and his people are under siege by demons, and they aren't getting reinforcements because his people have just perfected immortality. Oh. We see his people forging mental links and destroying these demons, but their ge- demons are getting stronger and slowly breaching their defenses. So it seems like this is happening on a bunch of planets. Yeah, it seems like like, like it's always happening, but mm. as time goes by, more and more people develop immortality, and thus they start to lose the fight because there stops being a fresh flow of soldiers. Which, uh, dark. Dark. Root yells at Flood to start learning demon fighting, but Root's all stubborn and says no. Still, Flood is taken to the training grounds and starts learning some demon fatten. Um, uh, it comes to him in a weirdly it. natural way. Just like they're like, here's some demons. Like, ah, I'm gonna eat these guys. <laughs> He's able to. He just sort of shows up and fights, kills, and eats these demons, and grows more powerful as he does. But the demon attacks are also growing stronger, and Hook has to make a final decision. The rest of his people will go through the land of the dead and travel to the light sphere, the final place. And because they're where, and, and when they go there, they'll be going home somehow. Jesus. 
Flood Just goes we're going we're going up another dimension, BRB. Yeah, exactly. Flood follows them, but knows deep in his bones he'll never go home. So things getting real trippy, Fox. Oh my god. It's been As, the body morphing and shit. Yeah. Flood goes to join them in this alien land of the dead. It's far from his mission, and he tries to tran- – to uh, tra- and when he transitions into their land of the dead, his body starts to morph into one of these Cyclops monsters, but uh. then just sort of warps out completely and just kind of turns into a puddle. And eventually, uh. he gets a hold of himself and joins the alien convoy. The lights are Yeah, this is just super gross. Uh, it's definitely like, – it's it is at this very point – that I know that these two have done some kind of psychedelics. There's no oh, yeah. way it's not it's not possible. This is very much like the craziest parts of like um you know your Ralph Bakshi movie or like whatever some like some so, some movie that like you know you're at your uh, at your video store back in the day and you're in the animation <laughs> section and you've, you've watched all the Disney movies and you've watched all the like Don Bluth movies or whatever you know you've done everything and there's just one movie maybe it's got like some german written on the box or something like that like you aren't really like sure about it's it's not clear what it's about but it is in the animation section so you figure oh well i'm a kid like i'll I'll just watch this it'll be fine and you watch it and you're like well i watched that i'll never be the same that's good times that's exactly (laughs) uh the story of me watching fantastic planet yeah, that or like wizards or something like that oh, too. Dude. Also, kind of get you in those directions. Fucking, um, well, yeah. It's just oh yeah, bizarre. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah you know exactly savage. what I'm talking about. Yeah, listen, bad times. Or like, you or, know. or like heavy metal. <laughs> just a lot of stuff. It's gonna change you. Um, just Ugh. like I feel like the dead's changed me a little bit, not in a great way. <laughs> <laughs> But they're so they're moving through. So Flood's part of this alien convoy, moving towards a light sphere. They come under heavy demon attack, and eventually Hook asks Flood to escort the convoy to the sphere, while the toughest fighters stand back and guard the guard the retreat. And he kind of takes care of business. Yeah, Root begs Flood to come back, but Flood's just straight up ignoring whatever Root says to them. Mm. Eventually, they come to this huge, shining gate. Clearly, the light sphere, it's really awesome. Jesus. Flood, there's just a giant uh, line of them all just walking into this sphere to disappear, or this light gate to disappear. Um, Flood tries to join them. Um, but when he does, he's attacked by this giant sand dragon worm kind of thing and knocked into deep space. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Just straight up like a Beetlejuice slash Dune stuff it's, going on here. It's this, yeah, just this whole, so whipped out by a, by a fish lizard with like fucking wings. And then suddenly I'm just talking to what is probably the devil. Yeah, he just gets knocked out of there, blah, 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 gets knocked out, wakes up, and that weird bird guy from previous is standing over him. The bird guy introduces himself as Armand. He and his friends are called Outsiders, or Limbo Wraiths, and Flood is one of them. Which, I guess it's, you know, that's pretty awesome. These guys seem like powerful dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. Next time on The Dead, Desolation Angels. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I think I love it. (laughs) I think I really love it, Conrad. It's really out there for sure. I mean, I think the dead gets kind of maligned, but I'm I'm really enjoying it as well. I feel like it's um, especially after all that ace trucking. It's really great to see Bellardinelli back here drawing crazy monsters and doing all that stuff. Um, uh, and just like I don't, I I this is like the last thing that I thought I would be reading 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, given where we were, where we left off last time, I'm like, oh, I just thought this was a future shot because it was so, yeah, you know, just so bizarre. And they just kept going down that path. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's it's definitely trying to be bizarre, and I really I I I do like how it's going at it for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so from there, Fox, let's just finish close things out with whatever as we go to thrill five. Future shocks. They did everything splendidly. <laughs> We're really burning off a lot of quick Alex Stewart future shocks this time. They're fantastic. Uh, so first off, bait. Script about Alex Stewart, art robot, A. Hattersley, leg robot, A. Hattersley. Also getting that double money. But I guess nice. not actually just – he's just um, vo- drawing sound effects here, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's a one-pager. A wolf stalks a figure in a trench coat down an alley. When the figure turns, it's a dang vampire and Boop. kills the wolf. Great. <laughs> Definitely. Next time. Wrong. Next story. Wrong number. Script robot G. Bell. Art robot Kevin Hopgood. Letting robot Jack Potter. Oh, 1987. So weird. <laughs> yeah. A guy on the side of the road comes across a UFO. A three-eyed alien exits the craft and objects to being called an alien. Thank you very much. He's a future <laughs> He's a future human who misdialed the year. He was trying to go to um what I don't know how to say this. Um <laughs> 1187 900. I don't know, man. 1187, you know. Yeah. Basically 1987 with a year in front of it. <laughs> with, with, with a one in front of it. Screw you. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to dial. Just, you know, you f- for- forgot that one. You know, it's probably, since 1987, so it's probably still a rotary um, thing. So it's it's, it's mm. harder to do. Next story, Star Treks. Oh, God. Script about Alex Stewart, art about Dave White. Uh, or, yeah, script about Alex Stewart, art about Dave White, letter about Tom Frame. A bunch I of spaceships. I almost didn't get it. I uh, almost of, didn't get it. It's pretty good, yeah. A bunch of spaceship types are lounging around the bridge of the ship in their underwear. It places a mess when suddenly they, they detect something on the sensors. It's lettering. They clean up the place and because it's time for a new mission because finally uh, the Star Trek's TV show has come back online. So we're saying that like in between episodes of Star Trek, like it's just uh, James T. Kirk and Spock and everybody just kind of hanging around, like lounging about the bridge of the Enterprise. Just doing nothing. Yeah, good times. Oh my God. Next story, Brief Encounter. Script about Alex Stewart. Art about Jeff Senior. Letting her about Maurice Dolphin. <laughs> so stupid. A no-good kid tries to steal a car, but when he gets in, it collapses around him, and he's crushed in a weird slime that oozes down a sewer grate. An ominous newspaper headline reads, Another Disappearance. Police Baffled. Dun-dun-dun. It's the goo. Ah, you've been eaten by the goo. Beauty. Final future shock, a fair exchange. Script about Grant Morrison, art about Colin McNeil, letting her about Jack Potter. So. What a twist. Ah, Rudy, Rudy Suzanne is, is a down-on-his-luck art dealer, but one day he sees Ool, an alien from Quarp, doing some drawings on the wall, and it's the best abstract art he's ever seen. Suzanne gets the Quarp to draw on canvases, 200 and all, and then pays him with two pine cones and a banana skin. That's a lot in um, our currency. And gives him a ticket back to Quarp. Ool's pretty stoked about all this, though, because genuine Earth garbage is worth a fortune on Quarp. What the fuck? Meanwhile, Rudy has uh, flipped Ool's work as his own and is putting on a showing at a big art gallery. Everyone seems he's, pretty into it. Yeah, he's the toast of the planet. Until the Quarpian amb- ambassador arrives and reveals the art is simple graffiti 
full of filthy, disgraceful slogans in Corpion. And the president nor any of his aides thought to maybe like... (laughs) Who'd know? He said, you know, Suzanne says it was his art. They don't think to put it through a translator. It's It's a setback in Earth Corp relations. And Suzanne is dragged away, driven mad that his so-called art is just graffiti. Oh, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, totally. This one was not like just because it's so similar to Dr. and Quinch have fun on Earth, you know, mm. where like it's sort of the thing is like a long con towards um, like an art debut that ends up causing problems. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But anyhow, Yarg. Fox Conrad, I have a question for you. That's about art, kind of. What? Wait, well, I like question. What kind of yeah. question you got for me? It's a very important one. Namely, what were your top and bottom thrills? Oh, damn. I mean, so um, bottom's really hard. It's really, really mm. hard. So this whole this whole month, it's fan-fucking-tastic. Like, all of it's... I, I mean, I really love Judge Dredd's um, specifically, because that's not getting a top spot, but loved <laughs> it. Um, and Strontium Dog, fucking, like, Bad Company, really all great. Given that, like... Each one of these has been so good. I am giving the bottom spot to Future Shocks, but only de facto because I still liked a lot of those. Mm. In terms of top spot, man, I think it's pretty clear it's the dead. I got to like wrap my mind around this this <laughs> thing. It's really good. It scares the hell out of me, and it's just very, I don't know, just very trippy. It's mm-hmm. neat. It It is something so out of place of this comic book, and I don't... I. We'll see where it goes. The visuals are stunning. The writing is great. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't just like blow its wad too soon, but it's it's feeling pretty right for top spot for me. Nice. Which is weird. It's all weird. So I'm very interested now, Conrad. Conrad, what is your top and bottom? I I'd like. I really need oh, to know. Oh man, I am. I am. I. I will join you with future shocks in my bottom. I guess you know. Normally, I don't like doing future shocks as my bottom. Right. But I, I do – I did really like everything this month. Like, you know, the the dreads, like you said, I mean, these are more sort of just one-offs, but I really liked them. I really liked, liked the Cam Kennedy one with the genie. Um, the, the the Jackson one was pretty funny. Oh, and I really liked the uh, the Telltale Heart one. You know, I love a good Steve Dillon uh, dread as well. That was all really good stuff. Mm. Um, I'm really liking Bad Company. You know, we're kind of – we're like – we're – like there's gonna be a big like um like a thrill change in print five twenty. So just so you know, like, okay, there, there's there's gonna be a lot of stuff ending in five nineteen. Um, so we are kind of like we got two more episodes basically, or or, or an episode and a half left with, with with a bunch of these stories. And I really love how bad companies building all these different mysteries and stuff, and all these different things happening to sort of then. Um, unravel and explain them all towards the end. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, the tension's really getting there. Uh, like it feels like things are going to snap soon. <laughs> Definitely, and and like you and I, I really have to agree with you with uh, the dead. The the art is like yeah, it just feels really different from everything else. Even the crazy Bellardinelli stuff we've had. This just feels like it's like every page is like a big slain, like a warped warped battle sequence or mm-hmm. something like that, as opposed to just being like the climax of the story, which I think is a really great um, art decision. Um, but I think for my top, I'm going to go for Strontium Dog this week. Man, baby, um, I feel it. 
just because I'm really loving this strontium dog stuff. Like I said, like the uh, the action in the sewers was really great. I really like those panels. I like this building of um, you know, I mean, it'd be real easy after Rage to just have um Johnny Alpha like the change in Johnny Alpha to make him more brutal. But I actually like this change too of having mm-hmm. him be really sympathetic to to uh to, to the Kaios K and sort of have you know him sort of see himself a little bit in in these uh. Uh, in, in these guys i think that's a really interesting kind of story and i think it's a cool one um and then yeah and like you said man just like the the parts where they cut to reagan is so hilarious and <laughs> just like the you know like the again they'll have like three like two like three to four like like two to four panels of just reagan having this crazy monologue of stuff that is often if not real at least like references to things that you could imagine <laughs> like an adult ronald reagan talking about and stuff it's and then so great the, the kayaks just being like, hell is happening? You know, <laughs> and all that. I find that to be a very funny form of humor. You know, it's sort of the, uh, the, uh, sir, this is a Wendy's kind of humor that I, um, that I like that a lot. Um, and yeah, it's just a really, I, I really love this story. I'm really liking Durham Red and Johnny Alpha's interactions with her. And then also, yeah, the, uh, uh, Reagan and these aliens and stuff. It's a really great story. And again, um, Ascaris Arch just just masterful, you know. Although, like, he's really like like him and Bellardinelli are really having like a big contest for who can draw the craziest stuff at the moment. I really appreciate that in these issues. It's definitely going the mile, man. Just such yeah. a good month. Definitely, yeah. This is actually a really good, uh, you know. It's funny because there's so much stuff that's going to happen in '87 that hasn't happened yet, but it's so neat just to have these, like, all these guys be performing really well too. And we haven't even gotten a like ridiculous, like a zenith shit. We haven't started Oz yet or anything like that, you know. Just all this <laughs> what stuff that's going to blow us away in '87. I'm I'm excited about this year. Like, I don't know. It's been going okay. good so far. Um, and I hope you are enjoying this year as well. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spitter 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespitter2000.com. Feel free to contact us, spacespitter2000 at gmail.com on 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spitter 2K for everything else. We're Space Spitter 2000. We should be there. And Fox, come back next time as <gasps> Slain meets his bride. The Strants head down to the ranch. We almost find out what's in the box. Flood returns to Earth, and Judge DeGaulle gets her revenge. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And we are Space Spitter 2000. Slundig Birth Ring.